my name is Claire. Today I have Adrian and Heather back with us. Do you two just want to say hello? Hey. (laughs) I know it's always like, put on the spot, say hi. Right. So we're still on the season of beauty and love. I think it's definitely spiraled into lots of different mini topics that we couldn't anticipate at the start of the season. So um, today we're going to be focused on the mixed race experience. So from someone who isn't mixed race, I think it's safe to say that the stereotype when you say, oh, someone's mixed race is always like, ooh, exotic, beautiful. But obviously it's much more deeper than that. It's much more than that. And I think especially in the light of anti-Asian hate, this like focus on like being Asian and, um, you know, API month is coming up next month. I, I think this is very well-timed. So I will ask you the first question. I think this is proposed by Adrian, actually. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to make Adrian answer first since oh, Heather is great. the guest. Um, <laughs> so yeah, just like a nice introduction uh, question. So how do you both identify yourselves? Like, um, do you identify yourselves as in a combination of two identities or being like, quote unquote, mixed as one identity? Yeah, so I mean, I asked these questions because I wanted to hear answers, not because I wanted to answer it myself. <laughs> Same. But, <laughs> but anyway, like, I mean, I think that my idea about how it has been to be mixed definitely has changed since I was a child. Like when I was a child, I thought it more as of like, having two different masks in a way, like, oh, like my mom is white, my dad is Taiwanese. So I have like, like, so sometimes I'm white, and sometimes I'm Taiwanese. And I kind of felt it, like almost they were like two separate identities or two separate sides of myself. And so sometimes I would feel like, oh, I'm more white today. Or sometimes I would feel like, oh, I'm more Taiwanese today. Like if we went out to get dim sum, or, you know, we were having like, I don't know, like Asian noodles or dumplings or something, then I would feel like, oh, I'm Asian. And then (laughs) if I was like in class in my like suburban, (laughs) my suburban classroom, (laughs) I just, I felt like I was more white. So I, I guess like when I was younger, I felt like it was more differentiated and like, oh, this is like, I'm now this and I'm now this. But then when I got older, I did kind of realize like it wasn't really up to me all the time of like how I wanted to portray myself and how people interpreted who I was. So in a way, it did become more like of a mixed, like enmeshed identity to me because it kind of felt like, okay, well, actually, I don't really have control over like whether or not people see me as like white in certain contexts or not, or if they see me as Asian in certain contexts or not. So I know this that has kind of like made me like bridge both of the identities together a little bit more. But I think that I do kind of struggle with it still because, you know, sometimes I feel like I'm not really fully qualified to talk about issues that affect people of color because, you know, I I am privileged in many ways because of my whiteness and because of my upbringing. So it's kind of like an I don't know, I I find it very difficult to navigate through that, like, well, what times can I speak out as a person of color? And then what times should I be reacting more of like in a white capacity and kind of recognizing the privilege that I do have? 
and recognizing that maybe I shouldn't be making a contribution to this topic at this time. So I don't know. I still find it a bit difficult to um, navigate, but I do think that it has changed and that I do feel like it's more a mesh now versus before. Mm, very interesting. So, um, sorry, that was quite long. <laughs> no, no, it got deep, but this is deep. <laughs> so yeah, how about you, Heather? Yeah, I mean, so many similarities. Um, mm -hmm. I would probably say, I think when I was younger, there were probably like two halves where there's the first half where I probably didn't really understand or recognize um, the difference between the two. I think I just kind of knew life was a little bit different compared to some of my other friends. Mm -hmm. um, and I think when you're also surrounded by other mixed race children and families, it's a, it's a lot easier to just be who you are and, and not have to question that. Um, I think that the second part of, of kind of my childhood into the teenage years is kind of when I started to, um, as Adrian said, you, you kind of live one life, you know, outside the home and, and depending on what you're doing, the context is different. Um, and definitely felt that a lot. Um, and then as I've kind of gotten older, um, it's one of those things where, yeah, you can't really separate the two, but as Adrian says, you don't know how people are going to perceive you. Um, and I know that there are times where, you know, for example, when Stevie had his first birthday, I was kind of adamant that he had, you know, like a, a, a Filipino cake, um, partially because we share a, a you know, very close day and birthday and it's my favorite um but yeah when when people saw it people were like "Ooh, what's that um and it was it was kind of one of those things where like I'm happy to share but at the same time it was kind of like oh she's really being really you know Filipino right now um mm. and it's sometimes I feel very self-conscious about that you know like all of, all of a sudden I'm Filipino versus you know being white um so I think it's it, it it's in a cycle constantly, you know, um, of whether or not I see myself as as more mixed or two different identities. Um, I think as I grow older, it's it's becoming more and more mixed. Um, but yeah, there are times where I'm very self conscious about you know my whiteness versus my Filipino ness. Also, I'm so sorry. I just realized that it's. I think you're first time meeting each other and I didn't even introduce you. <laughs> Such a bad host. Uh, so sorry about that. Um, but now you know each other. I think it's really interesting because all of us have a common bond of the U.S. experience, but mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I, but I, I, sorry, deviating from the script a little bit before we dive into the second question. I just wondered, so each of you like started out in the U.S. and then, you know, like went to Asia. Um, Adrian, you're in Canada now. Heather, you're mm -hmm. in the U.K. How have the different perceptions been of your mixed race identity? Or do you think they're just generally the same? It's a bit strange because I don't want to say it's exactly the same. But I don't know, I, it's so subtle, um, some of the differences. And I think there's this element of, because I'm now in London, I'm very well um, insulated 
with you know all the all the differences and all the different languages and cultures that are down here um so in some ways it's nice because you know I, I don't really have to worry about that and as I walk on the street like I'm not necessarily standing out to anybody um but at the same time I mean there there are times where you know somebody will pick something out and it was funny because I think I mentioned to one of my colleagues as we're doing a training on um, how to support um, Asian students at this time and traveling abroad. And she was like, do you, because I said, you know, for the past few years, I've kind of just passed as white. Um, and she said, really? Because I, I see I see it in you. And I'm like, who knows? Um, <laughs> but not everybody knows that, right? Um, and so there are sometimes where people will kind of stare. They might say something. But it's not overt. Um, like it, it would be in the States where, you know, people would come up to you and go, where are you from? But where are you really from? Um, <laughs> <laughs> here it's, it's more kind of like, I know something's a bit different. But I'm not going to say anything because I'm polite, but I'm going to stare at you a little bit. <laughs> or I might bring it up in conversation. But yeah, it's it's definitely more subtle um, here. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, for me, like when I was in the States, and maybe this was because I was I don't know, younger or where I was living, but in um, Ohio and then in Massachusetts, and the places where I was living, they were, I mean, they were actually quite diverse and they, well, they were like suburban diverse. So <laughs> it's like not super diverse, but a little bit. And I feel like I did grow up with that kind of misconception of like, we are past racism, you know, like we've solved it. So to me during that time, I didn't really think about it that much. It wasn't really such a big deal to me about like, whether like I was white or different or anything. Like I never, I didn't really feel it that much. And I did feel it more when I came to Canada, um, like people did kind of, I think because during that time, my class did become a lot more dominantly white. And so then it was a little bit more like, like, oh, yes, you're like one of the like ethnic people, you know, <laughs> like one of my friends said that I was colored once and I was like, Phew! like, what the heck? <laughs> Never heard that before. But like, I mean, they weren't saying it in a mean way. It was just like kind of like a, a factual way, you know, so it was kind of but it was just weird to me because I had I think up until that point, I had kind of thought like, oh, I can just kind of like switch, you know, personas when I feel like it. I can be white when I feel like it. I can be Asian when I feel like it. So it wasn't that it was like me, but it did kind of like trigger a kind of realization of like, oh, yes, like I can't really control how people see me. So so that. In Canada, I think that did kind of change a little bit. I And I'm not sure if I, I was more aware of those differences because of the environment or because I was just older. And I was thinking more about like trying to connect to like my roots and who I was and my identity. I mean, like when you're in high school and college, which is when I was in like Canada, like you think about those types of things a lot. So I think I'm not sure if it was really Canada or just like where I was in my life, just kind of, you know, kind of coincided with those types of ideas and self-reflection and it well, another thing I think was kind of interesting is that later I moved to Japan for work and you know a lot of times people would like thought I was Japanese like they thought I was either Japanese or like that I was half Japanese or that like I was Japanese Brazilian or stuff like that so 
it was very interesting asking people's opinions about where they thought it was from during that time because a lot of people if they hear me speaking Japanese they think I'm Japanese and then you know other people that I would meet they would say like oh I thought you were European like I didn't realize you were you know Asian at all you just you have this kind of like French look to you so like it was kind of interesting because it was like I got completely different answers from anyone I talked to and then that also made me feel like well there's actually like nobody really knows where I'm from so I shouldn't worry too much about how people perceive me like they might have this feeling of like oh you're Asian or oh you're you know white but at the same time it's like well nobody can really like agree on what my identity is so you know I also shouldn't worry too much about it yeah well on that no- well I know where you're from so yeah <laughs> exclusive knowledge um, well, I, I did mention it earlier too. <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> so, yes. um just on that note then um how do you two balance these different identities that you've brought up and did you have a moment of feeling distinctly one or the other? I think you two kind of touch upon this a little bit. And mm-hmm. how has that impacted you? So quite, uh, this one, this one's a mouthful of a question. <laughs> uh, Heather, do you want to, um, do you want to answer first? Yeah, I can, I can give it a go. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, it's one of those things where you don't, you don't think about it. And then when you do think about it, you go, oh my gosh, yeah, I do, you know, you think in your head, well, at least I do, you know, that, um, you know, I'm being very white here and I'm being very Filipino here. Um, And then there are times where I'm like, why do I have to choose? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think there were two moments and they were kind of, yeah, in my teenage years where you're still trying to figure out your identity. Um, and the first was when we went to the Philippines, um, Mm -hmm. to meet family for the first time. And, um, I had read, you know, from, from other, um, Asians, American Asians who had, you know, gone back to visit family in, um, different countries and, and said how they were acutely aware of, of their Americanness. Um, and I think at that point, yeah, I was very aware of, of my Americanness and my whiteness, um, as compared to, you know, my cousins. And, you know, it's funny because in, in the Philippines, everything is almost very Americanized because of the colonization. So in some ways I was kind of expecting to feel pretty much at home. Um, and yet I felt like I, I stood out like a sore thumb. Um, you know, like if you looked at, at me and my family, you go, why is she there? Is she the adopted one or something? Um, so yeah, so that I think that was one of the first moments. I think the second moment was when I was at university and um, we were preparing for our international bazaar um, and as part of the Filipino booth and we were cooking and um, I had a, a friend, a classmate who, you know, said, oh, when did you become all Asian? And I was like, oh, am I like just portraying whiteness all the time? Like I'm not even showing any part of my, my, you know, Filipino heritage. And at first it was shocking because I, I was like questioning myself, but then at the same time, like later I got angry because it's like, how dare she say that to me? Like, I don't mm. question her and be like, when did you become all, you know, Latin, Latino and, you know, all these things. And, and, 
I guess today, like it's still, that question still resonates with me sometimes where I'm thinking, oh, when did you become all Asian? When did you become all Filipino? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's, I don't think that I have an answer to balancing it. I think I just do it. Like it's, it's one of those survival techniques where you, you do what you need to and um, you don't really think about it or put too much um, kind of thought into it because if you do, you just get super mentally tired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> true, true. Yeah, I think, I mean, I definitely agree with that too with like kind of putting on different personas in a way. And I mean, I I grew up mainly kind of white because like, you know, my mom is American and she's the one who mainly raised me and my sister. So I think that, you know, when I was growing up, I felt very disconnected from Asian culture and from my Asian side. So I think, and then like, I made more of an effort when I was in like middle school, high school, university, like I majored in East Asian studies, you know, I went to Japan. So like, I made more of an effort to learn more about Asian cultures and to learn more about Taiwan and to really try to like, I guess, compensate for what I felt like was like too much of like, me going in one direction and I wanted to like balance it out and find out more about like the other side of me and that other you know piece of me as well but yeah I mean I I definitely do have that feeling too when like I don't know some I guess I have been thinking about it more because like you know I've been living with my my mom and my stepdad who are both you know both white you know and which is fine but like you know I don't know I guess I do think a little bit more about like like when I'm talking about things, like, am I trying to like, sometimes when I'm talking about things, I try to think about like, am I trying to like make this more like palatable to like, you know, a, a white perspective or, or something, or, or maybe I'm putting my own white perspective on it. And like, you know, obviously it's not like they're like, you, you know, their fault <laughs> that I feel like this or anything, you know, it's my own kind of thing that I have to think about, you know, but I do kind of think about that sometimes about like, well, you know, like, am I trying to like cater to someone else's expectations of like, or trying to make them feel like more comfortable by putting on like this white side. And I don't know, I always, I always think I have felt more like in more comfortable with that kind of white persona than kind of an Asian persona because I've been disconnected. So like now I'm trying to learn Chinese and kind of learn more about like what it means to be Taiwanese but I think that I'll always feel a little bit of an imposter whenever I'm like thinking about like my Taiwanese side or my Taiwanese heritage, just because I didn't really grow up with it. So it feels like I'm learning it as an adult and that it's like not really like a part of me, even though it is a part of me, you know, <laughs> I don't know well, if that really answered the question, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I there's the no <laughs> yes or no to these questions, isn't it? It's just like answering based off of your uh, feelings and experiences. Mm -hmm. So I guess based on what you two have said, like what influences these identities? So can you share times in your life that like this has changed or, I mean, you two have explained like (laughs) other people's perceptions definitely (laughs) affect it, but uh, can you elaborate on it a little bit more? So and you don't want to go first? <laughs> yeah, I guess, I don't know. Yeah, there is this kind of feeling like sometimes I feel like when I'm with friends who are like white, I feel like um, if I need to like, 
have like a more like I don't know sometimes I feel like I'm kind of like the sole authority on Asian culture when I'm with like my more white friends and I mean I don't mind taking that role because I do like to learn about Asian cultures and I do like to to teach people about Taiwan like I think it took me such a long time to accept Taiwan and to be proud that I was Taiwanese and so now that I am proud of it I really want to like teach people about Taiwan and like tell people how amazing Taiwan is so like I do like teaching people but then At the same time, I feel like a lot of responsibility sometimes because I feel like I'm not like a real Asian. So it's like, you know, it's like, oh, I want to tell you about these things and I want to teach you about my culture and teach you about things that I learn. But because it doesn't feel like a, like an authentic like part that's like natural that I was born with and raised with, it still feels a little bit like, am I teaching you real things? Is this like you know it still feels a little bit like an outsider like taking some information and sharing it with another outsider you know so I don't know and like I guess that's kind of like part of my own hang-up that I have to deal with and figure out like well how can I make it more of a natural part of me how can I feel more confident you know sharing about my culture my background and confident in feeling that I know Taiwan and knowing and like feeling that I am Taiwanese so I don't know. So I think like, yeah, there is kind of this dynamic a lot of the times where I feel like sometimes like we can share a lot of our white culture and background, but then at the same time, I'm kind of seen as like the kind of like the, I don't know, the teacher of like Asian cultures. And it's like, well, I do like to have that role, but I don't know about the complete responsibility, of it. <laughs> you know, so I don't know. And then like when I'm with like more Asian friends and we're talking about Asian culture, then sometimes I feel a little bit more like I still feel never confident that I can say that I know anything because it feels like, oh, but I'm not really Asian. You know, you know more about it than I do because I'm not a real Asian. So it's kind of this weird like context of like where I feel like I never actually really know anything. <laughs> so yeah. I don't know. <laughs> so you have that same type of. <laughs> no, I, I definitely feel when you talk about the kind of the imposter yeah that yeah. that feels very apt um to describe it I think it, I think a lot of the influence over how I feel these identities and how I deal with them it, mm. I think it really is a lot of external pressures mm. and comments and and things like that um current events as well, you know, considering what's happening. Um, I feel acutely more aware of, of my Asian background. Um, and like Adrian was saying, you know, at the beginning, there are times where as a mixed race, you know, person, I don't know how to find my voice in that because, you know, I do have that privilege of being white and the privilege of being able to pass as white most of the time. Um, but at the same time, you know, I've got a mother who doesn't look white um, and she st stands out like a sore thumb. And, you know, as a result, you know, I've, I've got to balance, you know, that, that privilege of whiteness versus, you know, I, I'm speaking out not just because, you know, I feel that this is a human rights issue, but also because, you know, I've got family who, you know, could be at the end of, you know, somebody's hateful, you know, rants and, you know, assault and that sort of thing. So it's a bit, 
it's, I think most of the time it's, it's externally affected um, and influenced, but then, you know, there are times where just like Adrian said, internally, sometimes I'm going, am I being too Filipino? Am I being too white? You know, like, do I need to balance it? How do I work this in? Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's a constant struggle. Um, it's, and sometimes it's, it's effortless and you just do it. But then there are other times where you're sitting there overthinking everything. Um, and you're having conversations with people that, you know, you're, you're going, do they, do they get it? Do they understand? Do I need to break it down for them? Do I, do I not, do I go there? You know, it's, it's that conversation and internal dialogue of, you know, constantly questioning um, your identity and, um, you know, is it relevant in the conversation? Is it not relevant? You know, when do I bring it up? And because um, like Adrian, I enjoy talking to people about, you know, Filipino culture. But again, you know, my context is Filipino culture in the U.S. and and how that is versus, you know, Filipino culture in the Philippines. Um, I'm sure that there are a lot of similarities, but also the context is very different. So, you know, what I'm sharing with people may not be the full experience that, you know, somebody might get from from somebody who holds Filipino citizenship and was born there and, you know, speaks Tagalog. So. Mm. Well, that's an excellent point, and that's why we are doing these episodes to just emphasize, hey, there are different types of Asian people. Believe it or not, BAME as a category does not work. I wonder why. So, you know, there there is no quote-unquote real Asian or even like real American. Like, let's be real. That's just outdated nonsense. So, but yeah, I think both of what you are sharing about, oof, am I, can I, can I, be the Filipino teacher today or or not yeah I think those are um very important points to highlight and speaking of family what advice would you both give to parents of mixed race children um or if you don't have children um is there something you wish your parents did differently so uh Heather do you want to continue with your uh, momentum and and take this one away. <laughs> sure. Um, I, I think, I mean, to be fair, I don't necessarily feel like my parents did anything wrong. Um, I think the nice thing is that my mom, you know, she continued to cook Filipino food um, at home. And, um, you know, we always had rice at practically every meal. And, you know, you, you have those things, those touch bases and um, touch points for, for what it means to be Filipino. Um, but on, on the other hand, there was always, you know, my mom always said that she didn't want to speak um, Tagalog to us because they didn't want to um, slow down our progress in speaking English. Um, and we know now that that's not true, but I, you know, there's so many, and it's not just Filipino Americans. I know a lot of, of my Asian American friends who say that their parents did the same thing because they wanted their children to assimilate. They wanted them to pick up English really quickly and not have to, you know, struggle with people making fun of their accents or, you know, anything like that. So I think, you know, for, from that perspective, you know, I wish that my mom had spoken Tagalog to me and, and to some extent when she talks to me now, I, 
you know, there was a day where she asked me a question in Tagalog and I responded in English and she's like, how did you know what I said? And I don't know. Um, <laughs> you know, so, so clearly there's something there. Um, but I think as, as a parent now raising my child, knowing that, you know, he's, he's a lot less, you know, um, Filipino than I am. And, and then my mom is, um, I want him to be able to explore that. Um, and I want him to be exposed to that. So I think, you know, my advice to parents, um, is explore both sides of the culture um, make it, you know, normal that, yeah, you might be having rice with steak one night or, you know, that, that these things are, you know, um, okay. And for them to embrace both sides. Um, because I think sometimes because we don't talk about it, because we may not explore it explicitly, we feel like we have to choose a side. Mm. Um, and, you know, in this case, we're probably choosing the dominant side because it's what, you know, is happening around us and it's how we fit in and how we, you know, use that to our advantage. Um, but as a result, sometimes I think that the other side of us, the other identities may get lost in that. Um, so yeah, just, just normalize it and explore all the parts of, of your culture and background. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would really agree with that. And I think that, um, I kind of had a, a similar upbringing where, I mean, I think, my mom definitely did her best to try to like teach us about both sides, but like being a white American, like, I don't think she, I mean, she doesn't know Chinese obviously. <laughs> and like, she, she doesn't know like as much about Taiwan and Taiwanese culture and everything. So I think there were also just limits to what she could do and what she could teach us about. So on some respects, I do really wish that my dad spoke more Chinese with us when we were kids. Like, I don't, I don't think it was really a conscious decision. Like my grandparents actually wanted my sister and I to live in Taiwan uh, when we were in kindergarten so that we could learn Chinese. But we just, I don't know, we just never learned Chinese. I think my dad was just kind of too busy with work to kind of feel that he could teach us. And then my mom doesn't know Chinese. And then like when we went to Chinese school later on, like everybody already knew Chinese. So it just felt kind of like, well, like everybody already knows Chinese. They're just learning how to write. And I don't even know how to speak anything. Like, <laughs> I don't know how to say like, like, I don't, I can't hear the tones. I don't know the sounds. Like, I'm just completely useless. I feel like such an outsider. So I never wanted to learn Chinese when I was a kid. And I think I didn't really understand the importance of it either. Like, you know, living in the U.S., spending more time in the U.S., I like every time we went to Taiwan, I was like, oh, well, my dad can translate for me. <laughs> so I don't need to know Chinese. And now I'm like, you idiot. <laughs> but like, so I mean, I do really think that my parents did kind of try to like try to expose us to both sides. And I think that my mom really did try, you know, as much as she could. But, you know, there were just limitations to what she could do. But you know, I, I do really think that knowing both sides is important, as you said. Um, yeah. And that, yeah, I, I really agree with Heather that I think that it is important to have exposure to both of those cultures, because I like being more shut out from Taiwanese culture when I was a kid. I, I feel like it's, I don't know, it's just it's been something that I felt like I've always been missing for my whole life. And then now I feel like I'm trying to reclaim it. And I kind of wish that it was just something that I did you know, know about more, you know, early on. Yeah. Although also like my Taiwanese side with 
like my well my dad and my grandparents on my dad's side like they're also not very typical Taiwanese though either like they don't really like they don't really celebrate a, like some like a lot of the holidays and you know they can speak Japanese and they really love Japan so I don't know I think also maybe having like you know like of course not all Taiwanese people are the same but then also having people like family who are from that country that are maybe not as typical quote unquote I think that also can kind of like change your perception of the culture and then you start to realize like well even my my own exposure to Taiwan my exposure to Taiwanese-ness like is this Taiwanese-ness you know like is it really Taiwan or is this just my family so I don't know it's a lot of things to think about and I think it is good to think about it like and be exposed to it when you're younger and even now and also mm. who Decide like, ooh, yeah, you're a quote unquote real Taiwanese person. Like, who gets to decide? And yeah. what does that even mean? Like, we're very <laughs> like global now. So, mm -hmm. I mean, we have been, but it's just now like in social media. Um, mm -hmm. Quick question for Heather: Did you? So both of us like, I went to Korean school during the weekends. Uh, Asia went to Chinese school. Did you go for to a very short time? <laughs> 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 um, no, I, I don't know if the Filipinos um, do it quite so much, um, mm. especially when they immigrate to the U.S. I know I'm reading um, a book called The Latinos of Asia, and one of the things that they were talking about is the reason that um, you don't really see, you know, kind of these little enclaves of um, Filipino neighborhoods is because um, most of the Filipinos come over already speaking English because of the 50 years of colonization under the U.S. So when they come, they're very Americanized because they're exposed to all of this American culture. They're education system has, you know, remnants of, of the way that the U.S. Um, set up education um, years ago. So we don't, I don't really think that it's a thing. Um, I know that there are some um, schools like in San Diego that teach it because I know my, um, I think it was my sister was talking about how my niece, they had moved from Georgia to back to San Diego. And um, my niece was finding it difficult um, kind of moving into this very diverse culture where she's now exposed to a lot more Filipinos and a lot more mixed race, um, half Filipino, half white um, students. And, and she was saying, yeah, you know, they're like, why don't you speak Filipino and, and all of these things. And um, so, yeah, it's, it's really quite fascinating. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, it's, what's funny is I think I, I don't know if my mom feels this way, but um, I always wonder what she thought about the fact that when I went to study abroad, one of the places I went was China and I went to go learn Mandarin and I didn't really take an interest in learning Tagalog. Um, so I, <laughs> I, I hope she doesn't feel like I snubbed her, but you know, in terms of, of, um, business and, and the lucrativeness of language um, Chinese kind of held a bit more. Yeah, actually, because I mean, when I first went abroad, I went abroad to study Japanese and not Chinese. And I'm only studying Chinese now recently. And I don't know, I, I was wondering if you also feel this, but I kind of avoided learning Chinese partially because, well, partially because the tones are very difficult, but also I feel like there was more pressure for me to know Chinese and to be good at Chinese 
because I was Taiwanese. So it felt like there was less pressure if I was learning Japanese because it was like, well, I'm not Japanese. So, you know, it's not as like, I know it didn't feel as like that people cared as much or were as critical or were as like, you know, like, like, you know, with Chinese, everyone's like, well, why don't you speak Chinese? Like, why can't you speak Chinese? But then with Japanese, it was like, well, this is, I'm not Japanese, so it's okay. I don't, it's all right. If I like suck at it, it doesn't matter, you know? And like, now that I'm learning Chinese, I do feel a little bit of pressure of like, oh, I have to be good at Chinese because I'm Taiwanese, even though I didn't grow up learning Chinese. So I'm technically learning it like as a foreigner, you know? So I don't know. Did you feel kind of like that sort of pressure as well too, or was it? I yeah, <laughs> I, I would say that there's there's an element of that. Um, I am a, a perfectionist um, mm. at, at the heart of it. Um, I'm doing better. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you could say I'm a recovering perfectionist. <laughs> me too, um, me too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, um, it's one of those things where I worry about, you know, like, if I were to speak it with family, like Tagalog, would they, you know, mock me? Would, would they know what I'm saying? Um, I, and I think the other part of it was, and this is, this is awful. Um, but my mom and I just, whenever it came to schoolwork or her teaching me something, we always butted heads mm -hmm. and it was always like, I, I, I don't know why you're telling me this. Um, you know, and it's, it's like, I didn't believe her and, you know, I feel bad now. And, and so a lot of times I'll ask, you know, how do you say this? Or, you know, can you talk to Stevie? Like when we FaceTime, can you talk to him in Tagalog? And, um, you know, so I'm, I'm trying to make up for it, but yeah, I was, I was probably a, a moody cow um when it came to <laughs> trying to teach things and I'm sure that my mom was probably like you know what this isn't worth it <laughs> we speak English it's fine <laughs> oh yeah um <laughs> this is a really hard but <laughs> because um so I took French um in high school and um into university um I just carried it on into university because I thought it's kind of too late to start over now. Um, but I, I mean, my French is atrocious. Um, I can read and write it really well. I can conjugate verbs, but if you ask me to speak, it's, it's awful. Um, and I panic when they speak to me. I'm like, uh, I don't speak French. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and my partner also took French in high school, um, but he, he always jokes that he took it from a, a German lady, so it's probably not that great either. Um, so it's kind of hard because obviously I want to teach him Tagalog or I want to teach him, you know, another language so he can be bilingual. Um, but when you don't have that fluency, it's very difficult to to kind of choose a language and go, well, maybe we should just start from scratch and neither of us speak Spanish. So why don't you speak Spanish? Um, you know, we've been we've been doing baby sign language and he knows milk and, and eat. But, um, you know, and, and some people are like, well, that's not a foreign language. I'm like, it is a foreign language. It's, <laughs> it's definitely engaging, you know, motor skills that I don't have. <laughs> Um, so yeah, it's, it's been an interesting kind of discussion and, um, we have an impending international move, um, in which Stevie may have the chance to go to an international school where, um, you know, they start them off with, um, 
another language. And then, you know, once they reach a certain level, they, they start learning another language on top of that. Um, so they're, I mean, one is Arabic and the other one I think is French or German. I can't remember. (laughs) Yeah. So, So I'm kind of thinking now at this point, maybe I should just let that happen and not worry about it too much but then you know he'll I do worry about this you know he's going to have conversations with other people and be like I don't know what's going on (laughs) so yeah I think we're still kind of discussing it I mean one of the nice things is if we do start from scratch say with like Spanish because I don't know it I'd probably have the inclination to start it with him so we can learn at the same time um but he'll probably pick it up super quickly because that's how children are so yeah those those brains of theirs they just soak exactly. everything up like a sponge. i'm so jealous like, exactly. i want yeah. a sponge brain yeah. oh, the possibilities are endless well so speaking again of family and relationships now so uh heather shared a stat so in the u.s um 10 percent of married people are married to a person of a different race so how do you navigate these relationships? And I, I guess just in general, like how do you navigate interracial relationships? So um, uh, yeah, Adrian, want... do you wanna? Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Not to put you on the spot. I was gonna well... ask Heather, but you looked ready to answer. So that's why I asked you first, but. <laughs> Shot myself in the foot. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, yeah, okay, I can I can start off. So, I mean, I'm not I'm not in a relationship really right now, and I've never really had like a very serious relationship. So, in some ways, I think it's a little bit hard to answer. But definitely, when I was dating, I did kind of feel that wall of like sometimes people were trying to date me because I was like more Asian, and sometimes it was like because I'm white. You know, like when I was trying to date guys in Japan, a lot of times it felt kind of like English conversation class. And it was like, I don't want to date you to teach you English. (laughs) I want to date you to date you. And then if you also want to learn English, that's great. You know, but this is not this is not tutoring time right now. So, you know, so sometimes I found that a little bit frustrating. And there was like one guy who I was dating in Taiwan for a little bit and like he was like really shocked that I knew how to use chopsticks and that like I liked dumplings. And I was like, um, <laughs> like, uh, you know, I did grow up using chopsticks and like eating Asian food. And I don't know, I also feel like dumplings are pretty like, I don't know, they're pretty Western friendly food too. Like if you were to pick a food that you were surprised that a foreigner would like, like I feel like dumplings is pretty like, low on the list like if it was something like pig's blood cake or something like that like I'm like okay yeah fair enough but you know like it was like dumplings like all right like okay I didn't really think that this was like I I mean I one I grew up with it and two it's like is it really that like shocking to like dumplings so I don't know so I definitely did feel like that type of barrier and I have often felt like I would prefer to like be in a relationship with someone who is like Asian American because I or Asian Canadian or something you know like Asian North American because I think that they would understand my experiences a lot better 
you know, and it, of course, not that you can't date or be married to someone who doesn't have the same background as you. I mean, <laughs> you know, that's, it's great that you can teach each other and stuff. But I just felt like if we have a similar background, then I feel like we have a like a base of understanding. So it's just easier to connect and you don't have to explain so many parts of yourself to them. They just kind of get it, you know, and I don't know. And then I also feel like there are, I have some friends, too, that are like Taiwanese, but lived in Japan and like you know, like people that are Asian, but then have lived a little bit more internationally, I feel like I can connect with them a little bit better. Because it's like, okay, we have a common base of understanding, we get we get these things, you know? <laughs> yeah, I am. Um, yeah, I always thought that it would be nice to be able to date somebody who has that same context. Um, I, it never happened <laughs> uh, <laughs> with all the best intentions. Um, mm. but it's interesting, um, because, um, I remember somebody, I don't remember where I heard it, but I think a lot of people have heard it, that you tend to date people that you, um, are kind of surrounded by and familiar with and, and that may have similar qualities to, you know, people in your family or whatever, um, and so, yeah, I think, um, even though my part, my, um, husband isn't, um, part, you know, um, mixed race, um, he is white. So it, it's kind of, I know that side because that's mm. kind of the dominant, you know, race that I was kind of raised in when we moved to the Midwest. Um, so in that sense, I guess I'm not really straying very far, um, from, from, you know, my cultural identities. Um, but yeah, it's, it's interesting because, you know, for, for him, he's, he kind of has the same value set and same mindset, very forward thinking when it comes to, you know, race and, and discussions on diversity and, and that sort of thing. And that's really, um, I think important um mm. as as you know we've seen you know with things with Donald Trump and Brexit and that sort of thing um it's actually been a lot more important than I thought it would be um and it's it's a little bit worrying that I you know you just jump into that before you really think about those things but um knowing that you have somebody who will support you and mm -hmm. will stand up um, you know, if, if they see something that's a bit amiss, um, is really, is a lot more important and a priority for me. Um, but it's hard because it, when you marry somebody or, or you, you know, spent, you're in a long-term relationship with somebody, you also, you know, are kind of in a relationship with their family and, and what that entails. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and I know within my own family, we've got, you know, biases and, you know, there's been, you know, the, the whole casual racism, you know, the jokes and things that you hear and, and probably as a child, you didn't really think about. And now you, you think back and you go, Ooh, actually, I don't know that I would want to bring a new, you know, person into this mix. Cause I don't want them to know, you know, that you're, you're racist. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, I think, um, I think that if, if you can't, you know, find somebody with the same cultural context, at least knowing that you have somebody who, you know, is open to learning and also, you know, um, 
dedicated to and committed to, you know, um, constantly learning and improving and doing the work and understanding that that your context is going to be different than theirs. Um, and as a result, life may be a little bit more spicy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, and what that entails and having those open conversations. So, yeah. Yeah. Like, I always found it so frustrating, like, when they have, like, the Hollywood couples where it's, like, this, like, white guy and this Asian woman and they both can't speak each other's language, but they just... They're in love through the language of love. Like, that's yeah. how they speak. Like, I'm like, this situation is so unrealistic. Like, and, and I, yeah, I really agree with you that, you know, it's like, I mean, you don't have to have the same context. I think it does make things easier. But just, you know, having that open understanding and that willing to, like, learn and, you know, to make the effort that that's, like, really important. I'm also just wondering, just as a little, mm-hmm. so both of you have a, have a white identity as part of your overall identity, um, and you have both shared what your perceptions from other Asian people have been. What about when you've met um, others with mixed uh, race identities that are not white, that are, you know, ha- uh, half Asian, half Black, you know, people like them, like, what have your interactions or perceptions with them been like? That's a really <laughs> good question. No, <laughs> it's, probably it's really good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's, it's a really good question, because um, I think as, as we move forward in society, there are going to be so many so many of us. <laughs> um, and and what was lovely is I saw, I'm following, um, I think it's Mixed Millennial on Instagram. And um, they, they said, you know, only you can define what mixed race is to you, you know, and, and it means so many different things to different people. Um, and I think the nice thing is that there's a lot of similarities and a lot of, um, points to bond over, um, you know, and it, it, I think some of it goes back to this whole kind of ethnic ambiguity that, that people don't really know what box to put you in. So they're kind of like, Ooh, you're exotic. And, um, so you kind of have those, those points where you can bond with people over. Um, but at the same time, I think the, the, the difference in the, I guess, intersectionality of, of our, you know, races and our cultures um, make it so that way it's just different enough that, that you want to explore kind of these different identities and, and how they relate. Um, you know, like, is, the, is this, you know, identity of, of the white um, an Asian woman different to that of the white, black, white, uh, sorry, white and black woman or the black and Asian woman. Um, cause I do, she was a student of mine and, and we're friends on Facebook now, but she's half Filipino. And so we bonded over that, but she's also half black. Um, and so I, I don't understand that side of her. So it's really fascinating to kind of understand how these these races and these cultures intersect and how they're different, but how they're similar at the same time. Um, So yeah, there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of bonding, but there's also a lot of, 
ooh, how does that work? And, and, you know, can you, can you talk about that? You know, cause it's, it's very fascinating to me at least. Yeah. I was trying to think about, but I don't think I really know that many people that are Asian and black, you know, and I don't think I've really had any friends that are Asian and black. Um, but I was thinking about, there was um, this guy who was my friend's ex-boyfriend, <laughs> but he was um, Taiwanese and Japanese. And I remember it was kind of interesting talking to him about his experience because like, you know, we're both Taiwanese. So it was kind of nice to kind of share that Taiwanese part of ourselves with each other. But um, also it, when he was talking about when he grew up, he was saying that he didn't know he was half Taiwanese for a very long time because like when his, like he just thought he was Japanese. And then when he heard his family members speaking in like, I don't know if they were speaking in Chinese or Taiwanese, but one of the two, he was saying that he thought it was just another dialect of Japanese because like his parents told him it was just like, they're like, oh yeah, it's, it's just Japanese. Like you're just being stupid. So like, so when he was young, like he thought that he didn't realize. And so he didn't realize that he was half Taiwanese, I think until he was like in high school or something. So when he was like quite old, and I don't know, I kind of thought that that was interesting because in some ways I felt a little bit jealous that he could like maybe pass a little bit better, you know, being Taiwanese and Japanese, like, you know, because he's mixed Asian. Like, I think, you know, the, the, that he's like mixed is not as like apparent and obvious, you know, when you look at him, but at the same time, it does kind of make me wonder if in some ways that's harder, you know, because like when like for us, when you look a little bit more like racially ambiguous, you know, I think it is kind of nice because it does kind of signal to them, like, I have mixed heritage, you know, I'm not just, you know, white, I'm not just Asian, it kind of gives you like, a little bit of more leeway to talk about it, you know, to, to confront that part of yourself more often, like, it's kind of hard, because it's more visible, and then you have to confront it. But at the same time, it's kind of nice that you're able to like, you know, share that with people and like constantly think about it and that you can kind of re like recognize like this is a part of me when you're interacting with people. Whereas like for him, because he was, you know, mixed Asian, like he just thought he was Japanese and then, you know, he didn't like think about that part for a very long time. So I know I always kind of wonder, like, I wonder if like how his experiences were with that and like if that kind of caused him a lot of like identity, like you know, issues or trauma. I mean, I, we didn't get that deep into it because my friend's ex-boyfriend, but, you know, I just thought like, oh, it's kind of interesting how like our circumstances are kind of different. And I wonder how that has shaped his life accordingly, you know. <laughs> I can imagine not knowing like that part of my identity wasn't really yeah. kind of explored. I was so shocked when he told me that, but then I was like, oh, I, guess, I guess it makes sense. I don't know. Like, I, I'm not him, so... <laughs> yeah I mean it, yeah it is it is really interesting because I I do have a few um well they're acquaintances now friends who are half black half Asian half Latina and half like European and it, mm. the common theme at least to me um it seems that they don't really get to choose identity at least from the early onset they get it's chosen for them by um, predominantly white people who perceive them a certain way. Um, so, you know, like my black and Asian friend, you know, she just rode black her whole life until now. So, and it kind of sounds like that's the experience that you two have had as well. Would you, would you say that? Like you didn't really get to choose 
from the onset? Yeah, I mean, like, when I was a kid, I felt like I could choose. But, yeah, I don't know. I guess it is complicated in some ways because I feel like it is very easy to just, like, it, it would be kind of easy to just fall into that white space, you know, and just, like, not really engage that much with being Asian. But then at the same time, I feel like then I'm not being authentic to myself or really learning about myself and my family. So... I don't know, I guess in some ways there's kind of what's easy and then there's kind of what you want to do and what you feel is most authentic to you. So I 100% it's, it's that whole, and I mean, I think parents who are immigrants to the States also somewhat understand that um, Mm. in the sense that, you know, yeah, you can, you can be authentic to yourself, but you have that advantage. So, you know, maybe go for it and don't, don't think about, you know, the other, the other aspect, you can be that at home, you know, um, but on the, the university application or, you know, the, the job application, you, you're white, um, you know, and, and in my case, you know, my parents chose um, very Western white, Anglo names that you can't really mispronounce or misspell um so you know on a on a job application you wouldn't know um and you know I think that's that's something I know that my mom um strove for and and you know she dotes on Stevie for being very white with blue eyes um but yeah it's it's one of those things where um you know, you struggle with wanting to be authentic, but then you also understand that there's, you know, sometimes the struggle and, um, you know, the the hesitancies and and the looks and, you know, are are they talking about me? Maybe I should just, you know, not drop it. You know, just just be white. Um, so yeah, it's it's. I think there are some times where you can. Um, develop your identity but I think that's when you're with people who know you who you interact with all the time um, and and they know who you are and and you've made it clear and you've developed that um, but when you're just in passing with people and you know one-off situations with people um, they perceive you as as they want to um, and and you don't really get to choose mm-hmm. And yeah. Sometimes you just don't want to deal with it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think too, like, because I was thinking like when I normally apply for jobs or something like that, I usually like check that I'm Asian because I kind of have this perception of myself and that I do look Asian. But, you know, and sometimes I kind of feel like almost like I'm a white person that's putting on an Asian hat and kind of like, you, you know what I mean? Like, like, oh, is this kind of a mark of my like mixed white privilege that I can kind of like that I want to put on that you know that hat and I want to be Asian American like like and then I think about like some of my friends that are more like you know Asian American that are more visibly Asian American and then like maybe they don't really have as much like choice as me who looks more racially ambiguous you know so it's kind of like is that also a mark of white privilege to want to put on that Asian hat and then not to like be like no I want to be perceived as white you know I don't know (laughs) yeah I think it's a really good point um because I think I was talking to somebody and I said you know when I went to university because you know how there there's 
things that come out about, you know, um, no Asians applying to, you know, uh, Silicon Valley jobs mm-hmm. and, and universities and that sort of things. And um, I know that when I applied, um, I did check, you know, mixed Asian white um, and I got a scholarship off the back of it for, I can't remember, was it multicultural scholarship? Mm-hmm. You know, so I, and that I'm half white, half Filipino. Um, so yeah, I, I completely agree with you that sometimes, you know, is I do wonder if, if that's, you know, part of, of the privilege of, of being able to kind of pass and choose and, you know, mm. pick your battles and, yeah. Yeah. It's like you we don't want to take away resources that are meant for people of color and yet at the same time we're not completely white either. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I think about that a lot. So it's just kind of like <laughs> it's always hard to figure out like how to navigate that and how to feel like I want to stand up for other people of color who maybe don't have as much of an ability to choose as I do, you know, but then at the same time, I do feel like I'm Asian. So I do want to be part of that community, you know, so (laughs) I don't know. It it is something I've been thinking about a lot recently. (laughs) It's great to continue these conversations and to reflect upon our own identities while trying to advocate for these conversations uh, Mm. that are sidestep, especially the Asian experience in general. Um, So, you know, this has been absolutely fantastic. I didn't even know there was a multicultural scholarship. That's really good to know for the future. (laughs) For my future children. I'm just kidding. Um, You know, that's the thing is that when you apply to university these days, there's a scholarship for everything. That is is true. (laughs) So so own your identities. Yeah, yeah. I I agree with that message. Own it. Regardless of how you think about your identity, put on whatever hat you need to to get money <laughs> you can do oh, whatever you yeah. want in your private life yeah i mean for college scholarships i feel like that is a good message to say a hundred percent but thank you both for uh mm-hmm. deep diving into your own identities i know it wasn't like the full extent of it but thank you so much for sharing Hopefully we can um, have a future episode to maybe like check in and see see where you're at uh, to delve into further. But yeah, are you still mixed or not? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly the tick box question that we'll be asking down the line. That's question number one. Are you still eligible for this podcast? (laughs) Do we need to give this opportunity to someone else? (laughs) Well, before we head into any uh, potential weird mixed questions, um, we will end it here. Thanks so much.